Hey, how are you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Thanks for listening. This time, what it's like being freelance for illustrator Christian Duffy. If you meet someone who you think is really good, they have brilliant work ethics, you've got to try and sort of avoid the feeling of jealousy and envy and look at them as a target. I want to be where they are, but I don't want to push them out of the way. You don't have to be prim and proper when you're talking to clients. No one expects you to be an MP. Hey, how are you doing? So, yes, welcome to another Being Freelance and actually very exciting. You know how some podcasts have sponsors? I've I've kind of held back from doing this for quite a while. I've had people get in touch, but I really wanted to make sure that when I did it, that the company would genuinely help you, which meant it either had to be something that would really be helpful business-wise for freelancers or would simply give us all free cake. Unfortunately, it was the first one which came up. They are very nice, though. They are The Podcast Host. Check them out, thepodcasthost.com. Basically, well, they help people like you and me make podcasts. Even if you have zero technical knowledge, it doesn't matter. They have courses, one-on-one mentorship. They even have a system where they will take the whole process off your hands. Check them out, thepodcasthost.com. I'll tell you more about them later on, but just to say thank you very much to all the guys there for enjoying what we do and for wanting to support it, thepodcasthost.com. I'll put details in the show notes at beingfreelance.com, which is, of course, where you can also find out about all the other guests that we have on the show. Sign up to our newsletter and all the likes that I normally spew on about. Uh, But let's crack on and chat to this week's guest, who is an illustrator based in Manchester, and that is Christian Duffy. Hey, Christian. Hello, Steve. Oh, thanks for doing this. Not at all. It's, it's my pleasure. Normally, I'd say let's get chatting about how you got started being freelance. Yes. Uh, it's my nice way into it. But maybe I should explain that you're not, you're kind of freelance, right? <laughs> right. That's right. I am part time freelance. That's how I. That's why. <laughs> that's why. That's not what I tell clients. <laughs> so uh, you're full time employers. Uh, so you yes. have a full time employer. I do. I have, then, a, I have a day job, and then in the evenings I will uh, freelance. Okay, right. All right. Um, but you have been freelance before that as well. Okay. That's right. I was yeah. yes, I was freelance. For okay, year, so let's chat then about how you've ended up where you are today, which is essentially the same thing. Right, we may as well start at the beginning. Uh, so I started freelancing while I was at uni, um, using one of those, you know, those freelance websites. I think you had someone on talking about Elance. Yeah. Um, I was using one called Pay, uh, People Per Hour. Oh, yeah. I use People Per Hour. Ah, do you? Mm. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind, kind of like how I found all my first clients and stuff. Yes, I managed to get my first repeat client from People Per Hour, who would then go on to keep asking me to do work. That was... A good start for people per hour. The rest of the work I found on there was was quite daunting. It was it was kind of like um it felt like at times, I don't know if you feel this, uh, but it felt like a cattle market where everyone was shouting for the same job and everyone was going cheaper and cheaper and, and, and it just felt sort of it felt hard to get noticed. Yeah. And hard to uh, earn enough from a job. To make it worthwhile. So you were doing those people per hour jobs while you were at university. That's right. Yeah. Um, but that said, I did find my first sort of well-paid client on people per hour, and as soon as I came out of uni, I had my head held high. I, was, I had my giant head on my shoulders. I was like, "Yes, I've got, I've got a couple of jobs under my belt now. I can, 
I can come out of uni and, and just continue this trajectory of freelance success, uh, which, uh, as soon as I left uni, fell completely on its ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was left sort of limp for a year. I, uh, I ended up on the on benefits for that year on the job seekers allowance. Suffice to say, it, it didn't work out the way I was told it would by my tutors and the way I expected it would. So to be clear, so you were trying to get freelance jobs as yourself or you were trying to get jobs with agencies or what, what, what were you trying to get? Well, this was the problem. I was sort of spreading myself too thin as soon as I came out of uni. Um, I took, and I was later proven wrong, uh, I took one of my tutor's lessons to be sort of throw everything at the wall and hope something sticks. Um, I later spoke to the tutor that I thought had told me this and I, I was completely wrong. I, I misinterpreted, <laughs> completely misinterpreted something he said. Yes, yeah, so as soon as I came out of uni, I thought, right, I'll try this, I'll try that. I tried children's illustration, I tried editorial illustration, I tried all sorts. It was jack of all trades, master of none, as soon as I came out of uni. And when you were trying them, in what way? You were sending so, bits yeah, of work was, off to people? or Yes, the traditional route of um, freelancing. So I was I was sending off postcards and portfolios and sending to agencies trying to get an agent as well because I thought that was the um, be-all and end-all. I thought if you get an agent, you can have full-time work, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> just as I thought I was getting the hang of it, just as I thought I was sort of coming round to finding actual work there was a children's art director in, in New York who had my postcard on his notice board, I was told later on. So I was very close. And just as I was getting there, um, I was employed by another freelance illustrator called Stanley Chow as his assistant for a year. Oh, right. OK. So another freelance illustrator took you on to be their assistant. That's right. Uh, so a year after uni, I was employed by this Stanley Chow. He's, he's a very popular um, freelance illustrator. He's probably one of the the best in Manchester, sort of, success-wise. And that was good. I was taken on as his animator, which is quite interesting to say, because, and, and as well, in that going back, in that year out where I was not finding anything, I did manage to find a couple of animation jobs. So that was, that seemed to work better for me. I don't know why, um, because I always saw illustration as a stronger pursuit of mine. So, so when you were working with Stanley... Are you actually working in his studio or working remotely? Or? So, yes, he employed me to come and work from his studio. This was one of his later forays into into getting his studio. He worked at home for a while and he was just starting to get extremely successful. So he managed to employ someone to come and work as his animator and assist general assistant as well because he, he had a print shop. He ran a print shop from the studio. So I would animate his work and print out his illustrations and send them off. During my time there, I learned an awful lot about the business of freelance, including, I suppose, the first, the first thing I learned from him, surprisingly, was that you don't have to be prim and proper when you're talking to clients. You do, no one expects you to be an MP. <laughs> and no, one's, no one expects you to sort of talk fluently as well. As you can see, I, I'm stuttering quite a bit. This is something I learned from Stanley Chow. <laughs> uh, because on the phone, it, when he talked to clients, I expected him to be sort of... He'd put on a phone voice, I expected. But he wouldn't. He'd, he'd talk normally to them, and he'd talk sort of straight, and he'd stutter, and he'd, he'd, he'd work his way around ideas with, with them. Um, 
And that was one of the first and sort of biggest things that stuck in my mind from from working for him. So did it feel like he... I mean, you had a job, but it kind of felt like you had a mentor as well. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. What would you say were the key things you picked up, other than, you know, how how he spoke to people? Um, yes, well, he was, he was a very proud Mancunian, and I learned from him to use your surroundings and use the city that you've grew up in and, and the city that you know to find businesses and, and startups and, and successful companies to work for within your city so you can go around talking to them, getting friendly and chatting to clients and then sort of it's not it's it's that old thing, it's not what you know, it's it's who you know. And that was something I definitely learnt from him. He knew everyone in Manchester basically, so if there was a job or anything coming along, he'd get there. But at the same time, he did have two agents outside of Manchester and they would find him work nationally and internationally. So I suppose I learned to use my surroundings and use Manchester and use the city as as, as a, a place to find work, as well as looking just on the internet. It's interesting. So you you went networking. You what, how did you do that? Well, yeah. So I, yeah, I'd go networking. There's a there's an illustration club, for want of a better term, in in Manchester called Run Off West, um, and we have sort of a Facebook page and all that set up, and we share jobs. And whoever's sort of perfect for the job would go in for it. And then at the same time, while he was working for clients around Manchester, I'd toddle along with him and get to know those clients as well. So there was a couple of repeat clients that I had straight from uh, working with Stanley Chow. They, they had hired Stanley for something. And then later on, after I had left Stan, they hired me for something else. So being in his pocket was, was very useful to me. When it came to networking, though, it wasn't just that you were going to business networking, but networking within your industry, which was more important, do you think? Right, yes. There was a bit of business networking that I did before I worked for Stanley Chow while I was in that sort of year of, of nothingness. And it didn't seem to it didn't seem to kick off. I met a couple of people that would want logos and stuff illustrated, but it didn't seem to bear any fruit, yeah, as opposed to networking in illustration and animation which really did sort of boost my confidence and help me get to know my industry and the people it's intriguing yeah so because often you could think of these people as your competitors you know like you're all after the same job but actually and we've had other people say this before yes you should get to know the people who are kind of your competitors because they're not there's plenty of work yeah exactly and if if someone sort of if if you meet someone who's who's who you think is really good and they are sort of they have brilliant work ethics and they work hard and, and you and you find them daunting. You don't you you've got to try and sort of avoid the feeling of jealousy and envy and look at them as a target. I want to be where they are, but I don't want to push them out of the way. Mm. So you spent that year with Stanley. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of working for Stanley, I was freelancing in the evenings for another company called Pale Blue Dot. In fact, it started as one of the directors has asked me to illustrate his wedding invites, hmm. um, which sort of sounds like a personal work, personal job, but he had, he had saved up for years for this wedding, so it was a proper sort of full-on project. <laughs> and so I was doing that for a while, and then they had a job going at the studio, and he eventually asked me to take up this role while I was working for Stanley Chow. So it was a sort of awkward crossover where I was freelancing for the company I was 
to go on to work for, as well as working for Stanley Child during the day. Mm. Um, Stan didn't know about this, which made for a very sort of awkward situation where I had to tell him I was thinking about taking a job for this other company um, because they were offering me more money, basically. And at the same time, I wanted to carry on working for him because I knew he still had a lot more to teach me. Eventually, Stanley Chow said, you're doing quite well with your freelance now. Because at the time, at the same time, I was lecturing at, a univer- at my old university of, of all places. He said, you're doing well enough now, so you may as well stop working a full-time job and go full-time freelance. At the same time, I was all too used to having this security and I knew that the company that I was, that, that, that Pale Blue Dot were employing me to do a job that I was already doing freelance and I knew they'd be happier with me freelancing in the evenings because they were based in Belfast and I would be working remotely from Manchester. So, so you're working full-time in Manchester for Stanley, That's but right. you're freelancing for an animation studio sort of place who are based in Belfast. That's right. That company have now offered you a job, but they don't want you to go and work in Belfast. They're quite happy for you to work for Manchester. So I took on that job in the thought that I would sort of carry on a freelance lifestyle while maintaining a full-time wage job. So I thought, that's the best of both worlds. And it pleased my insecurities about going full-time freelance, as well as keeping me in the in the mindset of, of working for a wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point in the story, you are full-time with Pale Blue Dot, who are in Belfast. That's right, I went straight on to Pale Blue Dot. From Stanley? After, yes, pretty much the week after finishing with Stanley, I went straight on to Pale Blue Dot. So even though Stanley thought you were ready to be freelance, you weren't ready to give up that regular income? That's right. I, I suppose, I suppose for want of a better term, I chickened out <laughs> full-time <laughs> freelance. But at the same time, I had told Pale Blue Dot that it is the is the dream to go full-time freelance. So they sort of agreed to keep it easy for me to work in the evenings on other jobs. I had the opportunity to make the job my own before I worked for them, which was which was a very, I know it's a very enviable position, and it was great at the time. So uh, how long ago was that, by the way, when you took that job? That was the sort of first third of 2014. And that's where you're still at now? Yes, but... Um, oh, there's a but. There's there's more. There's a third company that come into it. <laughs> you hussy. Go on. <laughs> um, so working for Pale Blue Dot from Manchester meant I needed a desk space, um, and I didn't want to go back to working from home. Why not? Well, by this point, I'd, I'd moved out with my girlfriend, and. Uh, she didn't want wires and, and desks and <laughs> <laughs> as well as uh, the obvious benefits of, of working around people yeah. and and not sort of going insane with with loneliness. So I was looking for desk space and I found an well I didn't find an animation studio. I knew about an animation studio called Kilogram in Manchester. I had visited them as a student years before. And they were another sort of target as mine, of mine as a, as a student. I really wanted to work for them. 
So I sent them an email um, and they just so happened to have a desk going. So that month I moved into my desk at Kilogram and pretty much from then on it began this sort of two-way romance between working Pale Blue Dot in the day and working for Kilogram in the evenings. Ah, okay. So even though you were at Kilogram during the day... (laughs) That's right. ...in the evenings you would work for them. Did you literally yeah. stick around when everybody else went home, or were they a bunch of late workers anyway? <laughs> or did you take no, work I, home? No, your I girlfriend would, hated that. Oh. Yes, I would stick around most of the time, but at the same time, I bought a laptop, so I didn't have to have the wires and stuff hanging around the house. So I would take some home with me, but I would stick around for a bit after work for Pale Blue Dot. I would always sign off at six o'clock and then sign on to freelance straight away. Wow. That's a pretty full-on schedule. How late would you say you would work then? Yeah, well, my cut-off was always uh, about 10.30, and it still is, actually. Cool. It's so good. All right, we're going to talk a bit more in a moment. Um, Just to remind you, this episode of Being Freelance is supported by The Podcast Host, who are a company that started out of one guy, you know, a freelancer, a self-employed person, one guy's passion for podcasting. It's now grown into a team that help anyone start their own show. So if that sounds like you, if you're thinking about podcasting or you want to take your podcast to the next level, basically with them, you can learn the craft. They have online courses. So even if you have zero technical knowledge, they get you on the right path. And for that matter, they have a system where they take care of the entire process. So you do the presenting and then you send them your recordings and then they do the rest, which is a pretty cool way of doing it if you if you fancy it. So take a look, thepodcasthost.com. And thank you very much to all the guys there for supporting this episode. And do you know what? Here's the other thing. If you do end up doing a podcast, let me know. I'd love to love to listen. You've listened to me banging on after all. Right. Getting back to you, though, Christian, is that freelance job your main freelance job? But are there other clients that come your way? Well, for the, for the rest of that year, it was pretty much just kilogram. Um, at the beginning, in the August, I had a job offer from a really good client who was a winter wear distributor and it was a really good job and it was really well paid and I really wanted to take it but I wanted to get in good with Kilogram because I knew they were in for the long haul which I suppose is another uh, another easy way out for Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so though because you're saying that this winter wear place wanted to actually offer you a full-time job. No 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 it was a freelance job. Oh okay. Uh, But at the time I had just taken on a really good, really interesting job with Kilogram. We were working yeah. on something for CITV. Um, but it was really well paid, and I kind of, kind of regret not taking it. Um, <sighs> because I know that Kilogram would have been, would have still been there afterwards. I didn't know at the oh, time. okay, yeah. Yeah. So I knew that something else that Stanley Child taught me was to be in the right place at the right time isn't all luck. You've got to sh- shove yourself in the right place at the right time. You've got to make yourself be there. And I didn't know at the time that that was something I could do with Kilogram sort of for the rest of, well, for my freelance career up to now. I mean, if there's a job coming up in Kilogram, my ears will prick up and I'll turn around and I'll, and I'll sort of, you know, you know in the cartoons when, um, when there's, a, there's a smell <laughs> and Pepe Le Pew will follow it. 
Uh, that's the sort of thing that happens in the studio at Kilogram. Or when a project <laughs> comes in, you think, when a oh, project... I could work on that. And yes, and yes. And sort of you, you, you make yourself available and you make yourself in the right place at the right time. You grab your bunch of flowers, do your hair, and <laughs> follow that trail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, you're asking about other clients. Yeah. There was a small gap after that year in Kilogram at the beginning of 2015 where there was no jobs for Kilogram and com- a complete coincidence, um, a client that I'd seen with Stanley Chow got in touch with me about a job she wanted and it was kind of a big job. It was over Christmas and I agreed to it and, and I did it and it was really sort of, it was quite tough because it was over Christmas and I was working for Pale Blue Dot when I got back from Christmas. Um, but that made me aware that I could take on these big jobs which leads on to the next client that came along, uh, who were quite quite a decent creative agency from down south. They asked me to do a job, and it was a big job, and it was well paid, and it was really good. And I was all for it, and I had a gap, and I wasn't working for Kilogram, and I was just working for Pale Blue Dot in the day. Um, they asked me to do this job. We started the ball rolling. I was working on it for about three weeks, and suddenly they sort of cut contact and I'd, I'd just sent them um, the latest draft of whatever I was working on. And I was waiting for a, re- a reply back. I gave it a week. And they didn't get in touch. The week after that, they did get in touch. And they said, Christian, we don't think you'll have the time to work on this, uh, given that you have a full-time job in the day. Which really shocked, really shocked and surprised me, because... of. First of all, it's not it's not any of their business what I do in my quote-unquote free time, which is the daytime. Um, and second of all, it's really strange because I never told them this. Uh, I don't have it anywhere on my... I must have it on my LinkedIn or something like that. Anyway, um, they found out and dropped me from the job, which was a huge sort of learning curve, was to never, ever give any sort of indication that I have this day job um, because for some reason clients don't like it even though I had proven to myself that I could do these big jobs and I asked myself before I took it all on whether I'd be able to do it and decided that I could for them to suddenly drop me from a job was really strange and, and sort of really surprised me uh, it took me ages to get the kill free out of them as well <laughs> Um, which was which has again surprised me because they're a creative agency and, and I thought they'd know about that sort of thing and I thought it'd be um, a pet peeve of theirs as much as it is of ours to chase payments. Um, yeah. So eventually I sent them an email saying I expect better from a creative agency. Where's this kill fee? <laughs> they, pay, they paid me that week <laughs> when I sent the sort of not nice email. Uh, another thing from Fraser Davidson, if you remember his podcast, um, he said, nice guys get paid last. Totally. Um, I like the fact that that etched in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. Did you hear him say that before you sent that email? Yes, I did. Just, uh, <laughs> did. Brilliant. There yeah. we are, Fraser. So, it um, worked. Yeah, you can be nice to a certain point and then So the, the kill fee was in your contract with them? Yes, it was. They, they did, sort of was agreed that their the contract? Fee. Yeah, they they agreed on the kill fee and they they agreed on the amount as well, uh, which was absolutely fine. It was it was sort of plucked from their brains the amount, and I was fine with it. 
I sent them an invoice and nothing happened. They sent me through, for some reason, they sent me through all sorts of uh, finance departments and, and our finance advisor is, is off for the next two months. She's on holiday mm. and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was, the, it was the managing director eventually who, who actually paid me. Yeah, it was a strange one. Man, so yeah, so a not good experience. But what you took from it was the fact that you don't want them to know that you have this full time job. So it's but, almost like they felt. I wonder when it is. So so that they feel like you could be that's passing right. well, on secrets or ideas. I don't know. I don't quite. I don't know. know. The thing is, I works mm. pretty pretty much equal hours on the on the day job and the freelance. If you include weekends, mm. um, so I don't know what it is. It's like they're telling me I can't have a. I can't have any free time. Yeah, they want you to go down the pub. That's the thing. When, <laughs> <laughs> which actually is is a, a point in itself, though. How do you cope with that? I mean, I, I I know lots of people like have full time jobs and then they do jobs on the side. Hey, some people work two full time jobs, right? Yeah. But how do you cope with that amount of workload and balancing it? Um. I, I... To be honest, I haven't sort of, I haven't yet come up against the wall where I'm too tired and too knackered to to not do anything. I know I should I should take more breaks um, because I do end up taking breaks at the at the worst time. So sort of, on a deadline day, I'll go <laughs> quite hard on this, <laughs> or, or my eyes will start going on a on a on, on an all nighter, and I'll think. Mm. I wish I'd taken more breaks earlier on in the in the project or got a lot more done at the beginning of it. Um, Which suggests that you're really enjoying it then, if you're not, you know, it's because you're passionate about it and you're loving the work. Because let's face it, you don't need to do well unless you've got massive debts to pay down, I don't know, but <laughs> unless you've got the mafia on your toe. You don't, you don't need to be doing that. No, yeah, I've, I've really sort of surprised myself in that I found myself capable of working in these ungodly hours. Um, and and somehow don't have or well, maybe I do have repercussions <laughs> but you don't know of it <laughs> yeah. yeah so when it comes to your portfolio you said and for that matter when I first came across you and I was checking you out I was I had no idea that you weren't full time freelance as it were yeah, that's, that's not yeah. how it comes across which is that's totally exactly your intention yeah. 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 talk me through how you put your portfolio or how you social because it kind of feels nice it feels like you're you're not just putting up work but you're talking through it um, maybe showing work in progress or things like that yeah yeah well this is just sort of another thing that, that the people I've the, the things I like to see on Twitter and, and in blogs um I try and do myself because it's always interesting to see someone's process, I think. So I'd always want to, to be like that and, and hopefully people will get the same things out of me as I get out of the people I like. So it's it's like bringing a portfolio site to life. So rather than just flicking through a load of images as an illustrator, uh, you talk about them and where they come from or where it's, you know... Yeah, and at the same time... Uh, Prospective clients will know how I work as well, so they'll they'll understand the steps, and they'll be able to expect sort of a colour key, a sketch, so they'll know exactly the steps I go through. Yeah, and I think it shines through your personality as well. Oh, really? Yeah, because well, <laughs> unless of course that's not your personality, but <laughs> it's it's written in such a way that 
I feel like there's this nice bloke, to, to, you know, writing it through. Who cares about what he's doing? You know, it's no, not. Uh, it's not like a copywriter has written yeah, it in the third person. Very nice of you to say. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, we're not MPs. We're creatives. We're illustrators, animators, video producers. We're we're not meant to talk in prim and proper language. It's just not what we are, and and, and it's sort of a personality. Thing. If there's a client that doesn't like, that will only sort of um, hire me on how well I talk or how well I write, uh, that's not the sort of client I want. <laughs> <laughs> so as you move forward now, you're, you've got this full-time job, you're working incredibly hard freelancing, mainly for one studio, but some other projects as well. Yeah. And by the way, you should check out. We'll put a link, of course, to your um, your Tumblr and uh, and what have you on now. Thank you. Uh, my website as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll put those links in the notes at beingfreelance.com dot com because it's gorgeous stuff. Really, really lovely. Thank work. you very much. Steve. Um, is you know often I ask people about side projects. I'm kind of imagining you can't possibly have any time for side projects. It's almost like <laughs> this is your side project. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, um, towards the end of 2015, I started to get very enthusiastic about um, collaborating with a, with a couple of my friends. Um, and I'm hoping 2016 becomes the year of the collaboration because I've, I've said to these people, I want to do an exhibition. Do you want to do an exhibition with me? And, and they'll say, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Let's do it. And I'll get really excited, and then I'll remember that I don't have any t- any time to do anything. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping this year I'll sort of find the time. I'll start turning down jobs, or I'll start sort of ignoring that Pepe Le Pew waft of, <laughs> of smell in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> have you had any beyond the whole kill fee problem? Have you managed your finances? Okay. Um, thankfully, I don't really have to worry about keeping my fin- finances month to month because of the full-time job. Uh, and when it does come to paying tax, I'll just take it on the nose. Um, <laughs> I, it, always, it always sort of surprises me and I always get angry about it for a day and then just forget about it. I'm not a big spender. I'm quite a hard... I'm a harder. Oh, I see. So, so you're just yeah. letting it all build up nicely. So I've got, yeah, I've quite, yeah, I've got a nice stockpile ready for the tax man. Yeah, for the tax man, but also, I guess, if you do end up freelance, be it by choice or not, that's wh- right. Yes, uh, in a few years, I'm hoping to have saved up enough for uh, sort of a year and a half of of wage money, so I can take the plunge and go full time freelance. That's the plan. Man, that's a hell of a buffer. <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah, one and a half years. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> Just in case. I think well, I'm you, can, hardest thief. you can afford to have a bit more confidence. <laughs> well, I hope you get to enjoy it as well. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. One day, one day I'll realise that I've, I've wasted my entire life saving. <laughs> <laughs> now, I always ask people to give me three facts about themselves. Make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Yes. Oh, oh. I'm excited You're looking for forward to this. Yes. So my first fact... When I was nine, I built a six-foot aeroplane for my cat, made out of paper and bamboo. <laughs> it was huge, massive. Uh, okay, second fact. Uh, second fact: I was once asked. <laughs> I was once asked to animate 
uh, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo by a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, uh, oh, but I overquoted. And I own, well, the family owns, a lock of John Lennon's hair. Mm. Wow, they're all different. Ask away, Mr. Folland. Um, so I built a six-foot aeroplane for my cat. <laughs> yeah, I did. I will be gutted if that isn't true. <laughs> what was your cat's name? My cat's name was uh, Spike. I had a cat called Spike and a cat called Milligan. Brilliant. Uh, and the cat was for Spike because he was slightly lighter than Milligan. <laughs> Did um I mean, you know, cats are renowned for doing what they're told. Did Spike like to sit in it or uh, well up came um up came the, the first flight day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you call it? The test flight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Are we, are we about to end up in some sort of RSPCA story? No. Go on. No. Uh, my parents weren't in, and they didn't know the plane was for, for the cat, in fact. Uh, it was the six-week holidays. It was just me and my brother. <laughs> and I sat Spike on top of it. <laughs> yeah. And picked it up, and he just sort of... <laughs> Crawled across one of the um, one of the wings and ripped a bit as he fell off. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely fine. There was, there was no cats were harmed in the making of it, uh, and he, he didn't he didn't go through with the flight. I think he had nerves or something like that. Um, but the the plane did fly. It flew across the garden. It was quite impressive. <laughs> Six foot plane. That's a wonderful story. That has to be true. Um, <laughs> Scooby Doo, John Lennon. I don't think. I don't think Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo is true. Oof. No, you're wrong. I'm wrong? Yeah, that, that is true. Oh, is. man, so you don't have John Lennon's hair. No, I, I mean, I I'm from the south of England. I just thought that everybody up north <laughs> yeah. was, was, was given a part of the Beatles. <laughs> it was like yeah. at, at primary school they handed it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. piece of coal and John Lennon's hair. <laughs> yeah. Those are such good stories. Um, uh if it's, if it, I always ask if there's one thing you could tell your younger self about being freelance, um, what would it be? Yes, it would be that uh, get out and and get to know your peers and and learn to use your location as a tool to find work rather than sort of sitting at home and, and looking at the internet and, and hoping something happens mm. it's a uh, sometimes complex scenario that you have going on <laughs> but i'm glad <laughs> it's, hard, it's kind of hard to explain to a lot of people so long as you understand they understand your girlfriend <laughs> understands very understanding and and the tax man understands that's all that matters yes. Yes. Uh, and um you know it for the rest of us we'll just be like spike we'll cling on for dear life and, <laughs> yeah and try to make sense of it all oh, at some poor, point. poor spike so poor spike what did you do the following summer make a motorbike <laughs> a wicker motorbike no i did make um a little camping set to, to strap to his back that made out of paper again it was very light and it didn't it didn't hurt him 
Oh, God. Yeah. I tell you what, you would have made a fortune on YouTube if you were nine now. <laughs> I would have, yes. Yeah. I would have, yeah. Uh, or been arrested, one of the two. <laughs> um, uh, listen, Christian, it's so nice uh, talking to you. And, Fantastic, you uh, too, Steve. Obviously, check out beingfreelance.com for the previous guests. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, reach out to Christian, uh, chat to him on Twitter, review it, please, on iTunes as well. Anyway, all the best. Being freelance. Cheers. Cheers.